Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 45. Welcome back to the Medical School HQ Podcast. This is the place to learn how to excel as a pre-med student, learn what it takes to survive medical school, and turn your dream of becoming a physician into reality. We're bringing you the most unbiased, honest, and accurate information available online. What's going on, folks? My name is Ryan Gray. I'm the host of the Medical School HQ Podcast, and I am joined tonight by the wonderful Mrs. Dr. Gray. Hello, hello. Allison. Allison, since we have talked last, there's a, been a big event in your life. Uh, your boards? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, I took my neurology boards about uh, 10 or 11 days ago. And I'll find out in three months if I passed. <laughs> so easier than you thought? Harder than you thought? Um, Probably about what I thought. I felt well prepared and I think it went well overall, but I'll find out in a few months. It's like all tests in medical school and beyond medical school licensing exams. You, you take it and you find out eh, a few months later if you passed or how well you did. So it's funny because friends of mine have taken the GRE, you walk right out of the room and you know how you did. It doesn't work that way in any test I've ever taken in this profession. Yeah. So that's a hard one where you, you leave and it's months later you find out. But right. good luck to you. Well, I thank you. I think you did fine. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely saw you studying plenty. Oh, yes. Every night, every day. So it's it's one of those things and, and we'll get into it today with our, our topic about some some reasons why you should go into medicine and some reasons why you shouldn't go into medicine, but watching you graduate residency, you're on a high. You're like, yes, I'm done. Residency's over. And then the first thing you do is plop down at the dining room table with all your books and are studying again. Very true. Although I will say that the couple weeks we went to Maui, those were very helpful <laughs> in between. <laughs> a little restorative. Yes, but yeah, life doesn't change in as many ways as you think it might. Yeah, 
All right. So one thing I always like to do is thank the listeners that took a couple minutes of their time, went into iTunes, and gave us a rating and a review. If if you don't know how iTunes works, I, I try to explain it every now and then iTunes uses the number of people that subscribe to you, the number of people that leave ratings, reviews, and that's how they figure out who's a popular show and who's not a popular show. So the more listeners that go out there and actually click that subscribe button in iTunes and the more listeners that go and leave us a nice rating, leave us a review, the more iTunes will show us and other people can find us. So we greatly appreciate everybody that goes out there and does that. Yes, thank you, everyone. We had one great five-star rating and a review this week from a ninth-grade high schooler from United States. That was his, his username, ninth-grade high schooler from United States. He says, awesome help in writing a personal essay. And he, he goes on to talk about, uh, oh, he's actually a high school freshman. Wow. Yeah, ninth grade. Oh, yeah, ninth <laughs> it's grade. It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, sorry, I'll edit that out. A ninth grader. Yes, he is a freshman. Awesome. So thank you to the ninth grader from the United States for that review. If if you're not keeping track, we're up to 81 five-star ratings. Every rating has been five stars. I ask for a five-star rating, but I truly want an honest rating. If you think we're less than five stars, don't bother. No, I mean, uh, go, go in there and tell us because we're always looking to improve. So if you think we need to do something better, let us know. One other thing that uh, has happened since our last podcast release or, or during our last podcast release is we opened the Academy up to our charter members. And if you're a charter member and you're listening, thank you. Hopefully things are going well. It's, it's been a great start. We had 51 members sign up to be a Charter Academy member. And the Academy is a membership site that Allison and I started uh, along with some other experts out there, uh, physicians and some other people, to take all this information that we're learning as we go back and interview all these people and create a community that is open and non-anonymous and where you can go and actually trust the people you're getting your information from and, and feel free to ask questions without any sort of intimidation and so it's been going great. We're building courses and have our office hours. Our first office hours are in a couple of days, and we're going to have webinars, and so it's really great. If you're interested in looking into that, go to jointheacademy.net for some more info. We also have an awesome specialty series on there where you can learn about all the different uh, specialties in medicine right from the people who are practicing them every day. So I think that's another really awesome feature of the Academy. Yeah, we have uh, an interview with a, a psychiatry resident, a private practice neurologist. We have some more lined up with physical med- uh, physical medicine rehabilitation, orthopedics, pediatrics. We got a bunch lined up and work on a bunch more. All right, so let's talk about what we're going to talk about. I'm going to play a short clip from a great podcast that I listen to that I highly recommend you listen to. It's the Entree Leadership Podcast from Dave Ramsey. Great podcast. This is just randomly, I was listening to one of the episodes and this popped up. Uh, Conventional wisdom 35 years ago is it was a great career to be a doctor, medical doctor, and it was prestigious 
And a lot of people went into it, even though they didn't have a passion for it. But conventional wisdom was this was a cool thing to do. And who knew that the world would change so dramatically where it's, if you love seeing patients, it's still the best job in the world. But if you did it for other reasons, you probably regret it. All right. So that that hit home to me because we talk about reasons to go into medicine and, and talking to students and listening to them and reading personal statements. It's sometimes I see that students are going into medicine for the wrong reasons. And so Alice and I are going to talk about roughly five or so reasons to go into medicine, and then we'll, we'll flip it and talk about the five reasons to not go into medicine. So how's that sound, Allison? Sounds good to me. All right. So let's start off with reasons to go into medicine. Some, some valid thoughts about why a pre-med student, why a maybe a non-traditional student that's in another career and is, it has that thought in the back of their head, maybe I want to go into medicine. Let's talk about some of the things, why, why that would be a good reason. So number one, I think the most obvious one, to improve the lives and to improve the health of other human beings. Yeah. I think that no matter what type of healthcare practitioner you are or become, and certainly if you become a physician, you you really must want to improve the lives and health of other people. That's at the foundation of what we do. And in lots of circles and online and all over the place, people may say, well, I want to become a doctor to help people. And I mean, yes, that's true, but it's a much more generic and kind of vague and not so specific <laughs> way of, uh, of of talking about it. Really, the- I, I like to say that you could help somebody as a customer service rep on a phone. Right, exactly. Helping people is so generic. You could help someone by holding the door for them at the supermarket. So helping to improve the life of another human being is so much more profound. And you can improve someone's life along those lines in a lot of different ways, but it's really focused on improving the health and and really then their life. We all are human beings. We're all alive for a hundred years if we're lucky. And it really, it's, it becomes so much more than just something that's said, oh, I want to help people. No, it's, you want to literally stop a disease course that's going to cripple another person or that's going to shorten their life and, and destroy their family. It, it becomes life altering for that other human being that you're taking care of and all the ripple effect of all of the people who care about that other person. It Help. becomes life altering for you too. It absolutely does. And there's something very rewarding that uh, myself as a physician and a lot of other people uh, who are physicians and healthcare practitioners uh, share when I've talked to people about this, which is that there's a really strong feeling of, of, how rewarding it is when you do affect another person in such a profound way. And it doesn't always have to be positive. I'll tell you, uh, as a neurologist, seeing patients in the hospital who are dying of horrible brain tumors or uh, a stroke, which has completely devastated a person and left them unable to talk and paralyzed, helping their family understand and come to grips with what they've been through. And, and sometimes, honestly, helping the family uh, really cope at the end of, of a patient's life uh, is a really profound thing. And, and 
it's it's actually one of my favorite things that that I have done and do as a neurologist. So it's it's not always just about oh you're helping someone and yay that's a great thing. No, sometimes it's it has a lot of weight associated with it and it, it can be helping them through a very horrible thing, but it's 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 improving the life and potentially health uh, hopefully health of another human being and those around them. It's a really profound thing. So it really carries weight for people who do it every day. Yeah. And I'll share a personal story only because I have this text message sitting in front of me. I had a a patient come to me that found out that she was positive for the BRCA gene. And for those that don't know that BRCA is a, there's BRCA1 and BRCA2. And it's a genetic mutation that leads to a huge increased risk of uh, breast cancer and ovarian cancer. This is something that was popular with, uh, what's her name? Brad Pitt's wife. Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Angelina Jolie It has the BRCA gene mutation, which is why she had the um, uh, the surgery to remove her breasts and had uh, reconstruction. And the patient came to me and sat down and was just devastating news for her. And I helped her through that. And uh, obviously... I, I w- I'm a general practitioner as a flight surgeon, so I'm not the one that did the surgery, but I arranged for her to go see who she needed to see. I was able to explain everything in a way that she needed it to be explained. And uh, I-, I basically managed everything, and she actually left her husband, PCS, to a different base, and I randomly got a text message several months after, and it's... It talked about how she had finished the second phase of her reconstruction, her breast reconstruction, and uh, she finished by saying she's forever grateful for, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just quote it, she says, forever, forever grateful for your compassion and support. And that just, I mean, that it's very touching to know that even though I didn't physically do anything to her, I was able to support her and get her through the periods that she needed to get through. Absolutely. It's part of what I liked so much about what that individual said on the podcast, on the Entree Leadership Podcast, was that if you want to take care of patients, it's still the best profession in the world. And I think that's so true. Just like your story shows, Ryan, that's such a, a profound thing that you did for, for for another human being. And it's it's changed her life and it changes her life. Yeah. But one question that often comes up is, well... I can help others as a PA. I can help others as a nurse. I can help others as a uh, as anything other than a physician. Why why take that next step and actually go into medicine? That's a good question, and it segues very nicely into our next reason to go into medicine, which has to do with leadership. I think uh, as a physician, as for both of us, we've both worked in teams with many other healthcare practitioners, nurses, uh, PAs, uh, therapists of different kinds, uh, case managers. It, no one would ever be able to do what we do without the support of that entire team. So by no means are we saying that uh, doing anything less than a physician is 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 anything less. It's just another role. Everybody has their role. 
But the one of the reasons to go into medicine and something we hear from PAs and nurses and other people who are career changers and now looking at going to apply to medical school is that they they miss that sense of leadership, that autonomy. So as a physician, you are taking care of a patient uh, and you often are the person in charge. You're you're leading a group of people in the care of of the patient or group of patients on your service. And there's there's autonomy with that. People look to you for guidance. Uh, they look to you for reassurance. Uh, they they look to you, what do we do next? Uh, you you drive the boat. And it doesn't mean that you don't have other physicians working with you, or maybe you're a resident and you, you're working under an attending, but you may be on call in the middle of the night and you're take you're the physician there. And so there's a, a, a lot of leadership. And uh, what we've heard, as I said, PAs and, and other career changers say is that they feel like, yes, they get to do great things in, in taking care of patients, but they feel at some point stuck, like they don't get to make those crucial key decisions. And that can be frustrating. As a physician, there's no limit to the amount of that leadership. You can grow and grow and grow. There's no sticking point. Yeah. Okay. And and that kind of almost segues into our next point, that once you have that MD after your name, there's a lot that you can do. Obviously, the the ultimate goal in life is to improve the lives of others, which we'll always go back to point number one. If if you don't want to do that, then probably don't go into medical school. But once once you are in medical school and once you are going through the day-to-day life of being a physician, then you start to get your hands into some other things and you can see that there's a lot more to healthcare than actually treating patients on a one-to-one basis. And so our next point is just that there's there's so much variety out there. Once you have your MD or, or DO, that, this, again, the sky's the limit into what you can do besides patient care. Yeah, and just to give you a flavor of that, so as an MD or DO, you can work as a clinician seeing patients in a hospital, in a private practice, in a community health center, you can uh, be a clinician educator where you're the chairman or chairwoman of a department and your your job is administrative, but also in, in managing a whole group of other physicians and teaching residents and medical students and running a department. You can be a researcher where much of your job is focused on either bench research or clinical research, trying to find a cure or make lives better, uh, but... Uh, in, in a research capacity for the future. You can also uh, work for the government. You could work for the FDA. You could work uh, at a biopharmaceutical or pharmaceutical company, uh, what some people refer to as the dark side. But <laughs> I know plenty of physicians who work at pharmaceutical companies and are doing great things and are not in it to just make money, but look at it as as a way to uh, really continue their research and, and uh, change the lives of other people in that capacity. There are so many different things that you can do and you can teach. You can go back and, and teach medical stu- students in, in medical school in their first two years or their second two years. There's so much. And, and for someone like me, I really, I, I live for that variety. 
And it's it's interesting if you think about the time that we're living in, in 2013, 30 years ago, you'd go, you'd finish your residency, you'd join a practice and you would stay there for 30 or 40 years. And then the physician would die and all their patients would go to the next physician. <laughs> And my parents, their their uh, internist, uh, he's a wonderful internist, and that's what he did. He stayed in the same practice for 40, 50 years or something like that, and then he, he's moved on to other things. Uh, it's just not that way anymore. And if you look at the typical contract for a physician, it's three years. Physicians are moving. They're doing different things, uh, and not just in the same place. They're moving all over the place. So it's a really interesting, exciting time to be a physician if you like variety. That that degree that you get from medical school opens up so many doors to you. And not just in the sense that you can practice in different areas of medicine, seeing patients, as Ryan said, there's so many more, just such a variety, such a breadth of things that you can do with that degree. And I don't know that that's true of, of, as many, of so many other degrees. Yeah. And let's not forget one other great thing that you can do. You can have an awesome podcast. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> you can try to give back and and teach other people how how to get into medical school and and get through the process and and pursue their dreams. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the next one and and one that that Allison and I differ on sometimes, but the the core message we agree on, and that's the intellectual challenge and the 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 saying that medicine. As a physician, you are a lifelong learner. And my argument is that anything in life, if you want to be good at it, you need to be a lifelong learner. And Allison says, no, no, it's specific to medicine. But we kind of hashed it out tonight. And explain your side, Allison. Well, I think we agreed in the end. Uh but it's the kind of, for all you listeners out there, you may have gotten to know Ryan some by this point, and you may know, and or maybe you don't, but he's the kind of person that just has that ambition, that drive. So no matter what he does in life, he wants it to be really good. He wants to be the best that he can at, at everything that he puts his mind to. I wish everybody in the world had that mentality. For God's sakes, maybe I wish I had that mentality about everything I do. But I'm more of the kind of person that I pour myself into my work and my family and my friends. I don't have that same drive for everything I do. Anyway, the way I look at this is, and again, I think we we do ultimately agree, uh, everybody who is going to become a doctor, you have to commit to being a lifelong learner. And it's a phrase you may have heard uh, in different places. Ryan's point is, well, in everything, you should be a lifelong learner. And I would agree with that. The difference is if you become a banker uh, and really even if you become a lawyer, how often do the laws change? You know, there's a landmark ruling by a court and there might be, you know, a new law that comes out. A new, But in medicine, it's changing every day, all the time. And that's why you have to recertify when you take. I just took my neurology boards a week and a half ago. In 10 years, I'm going to have to take them again. And my friends look at me who are not physicians and non-healthcare providers and they say, why in God's name do you have to take it again? <laughs> but the it's it's a good thing that I do because neurology will change. God, I hope it changes in the next 10 years. 
years, we're trying to make things better for people. We're trying to come up with new cures, new ways to fix things, make things better. So if it didn't change, how sad would that be? We want medicine to change. So for that reason, you have to be willing, you have to be passionate about always learning so that you can find out what you need to do to make your patients better, to make their lives better, and to continue to do that for the rest of your life as a physician. Yeah, so back to... To point number one, to improve the lives and the health of others, you need to continually learn so that you can continually improve their lives. Absolutely. That's a really important one. So, yeah. I I, I think we finally agreed on on that. I think so, too. Okay, good. (laughs) And some people start out really young. They love school, so you just keep that going. (laughs) And you were one of them. All right. So... One of the last things, we have a bunch of smaller ones, but I think we hit most of them. But one of the last big things that we wanted to talk about is something that is kind of special with medicine and and being a physician, and and that's surgery. If you are like me, and, and if you don't know my story, go back to episode one, medicalschoolhq.net slash one. And you'll hear my story. I went to medical school knowing 110%, even though I know that's impossible, knowing 100% that I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. I wanted to be a surgeon because I liked having that manual dexterity challenge, having that, that physical thing in my hand that I could manipulate, that I could cut open, that I could saw, that I could chisel, that I could cut, that I could whatever. That, that's what interested me. And uh, in the end, I didn't get to do that as a daily job. I got to do it during medical school and during my internship. But the, the ability to operate on another human being and having that trust, and I think that's the ultimate trust in medicine is, is a patient giving consent to, to having somebody cut you open and, and fix something and cure you, hopefully. I think that's the ultimate trust in medicine. And so if that's something that interests you, that's a great reason to go into medicine. And I I say that with a, an asterisk there because it's few and far between that students start medical school knowing that what they want to do and then they actually do that. And And I kind of... I advise against it. I, I tell people all the time, keep your options opened and go through medical school and see what everything has to offer you. And I did do that, and I actually loved OBGYN, and, but that was surgery too. But just the fact that you can perform an operation on somebody else is, is very unique to medicine and, and very cool. Yes. All right. So those are our, our five things about... Uh, five reasons to go into medical school. I just want to add a 5A just because it's on our list and we sort of already talked about it. But just to reiterate, I think that one another unique thing about the field of medicine is that along the variety lines, it's a profession in which you can change one life, you can change many lives. And so if you think about that as a clinician seeing a patient, you may change that one life in the office that day or in the operating room that day. You can also find 
a cure or find uh, the, the etiology, the cause for something, a devastating illness. You could find, uh, you could discover a new virus or a new medicine, and that could change lives all across the world. I just think that's something that's so neat about medicine and really is, is yeah, it's unique. Yeah. Good 5A. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the five reasons to not go into medicine. What? Uh, number one. Number one's easy. Number one. Money. Money, money, money. Do not, I repeat, do not go into medicine. Don't apply to medical school because you think you want to or you think you're going to make lots of money. First of all, it's the wrong reason to want to be a doctor. What did we say? Again, it's you want to improve other people's lives. If you want to make money, you can do lots of things. You can be a banker, a stockbroker, a lawyer. You can you can do all sorts of things. And it's just not the place <laughs> that you want to go. Can you imagine at an interview for a medical school, they're asking, they're sitting across from you at a distinguished university and they're saying, why do you, Miss So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, want to become a doctor? And you say, oh, I want to make money. I mean, that should, common sense wise, I think, I would think for a lot of people, they would realize that that's not a good answer to that question. But, you know, it's we've seen that in and even in, in some I, I don't want to say this, but some of our classmates I know went into radiology or other fields because they wanted to make money. Wrong reason, folks. Yeah, it the in the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're going to have a comfortable life. You're going to make enough money to pay back your loans. You're going to have money. But if you don't love what you do day in and day out. And and trust me, you're going to be doing it day in and day out, and sometimes after work and before work. And, and Allison can talk about bringing work home now as an attending. But if if you don't love what you're doing, you're going to be miserable. And that clip that we played earlier hints it kind of hits the nail on the head by talking about that. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're going to be miserable, no matter how much money you're making. And don't forget, medical school is expensive. There are many medical students who leave medical school with over $200,000 in loans. Those are serious loans. And oftentimes, the second set of loans after someone has been through college and had loans there. Uh, because of Ryan's commitment to the military, he doesn't have loans, but I certainly do. And you have to have that passion. You have to want to do what you love because, yes, you'll pay back those loans at some point, but it'll take you a while. And it's it's something that's so worth the process. Uh, but it's it's just an, it's a, such an unfortunate place to go that that to go to medicine if, if money is what you're really after in the end. Yeah. Number two. Kind of ties into number one a little bit. A little. But. If you're going into medicine because you want that prestige, because you want to be called doctor, because you want to have a business card that says MD or DO after your name, you're, again, missing the boat on the ultimate goal of becoming a physician. And again, ultimately, you're going to be dissatisfied with your work. Yeah, I think that there is certainly pride that 
that you should have after working so hard and and getting through medical school and residency and and all of it, uh, you should feel proud of yourself and 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 be proud to be a physician and, and a member of 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 this this profession that is such a calling. So if you look at it that way, yes, you should be proud. But again, that goes to a fault. Uh, you can take anything to a fault, and and you don't want to go into medicine because. You know, you're you're some arrogant guy who says or girl who says, I'm the best. I want everyone to know I'm the best. I can walk into a room and say, I'm a doctor. That's that's not it, guys. <laughs> yeah. And and the first day during your internship, you walk onto the, the floor and you proclaim I'm Dr. So-and-so. The nurses will see right through you and know that oh, you're t- you're gonna be the arrogant one and just tear you down. Absolutely, I I'll never forget. There was someone uh, who I knew uh, when I was in my residency in in a different department, and uh, he was an intern, and he or maybe he had just graduated his internship, and now he was a, a resident, and uh, he was being very condescending to a group of nurses who had worked in an ICU for 20 years and trying to tell them about why they did a certain procedure, why they did a surgery for a patient. And the nurses were just baffled and they were disgusted. And forevermore, that resident, uh, you know, had a big black X written across his name when it came to how the nurses felt. And it's it's just the wrong way to go. You have to earn, you have to to pay your dues and uh, you know, and and earn your rights to to carry yourself in such a manner. It, it's always such a turnoff to me when I see a young physician or any physician really acting in in an arrogant manner toward uh, his or her patients or the other staff, the other healthcare practitioners on the team. That that respect and that prestige is something that you should earn because of the hard work you put in, not just because you know you have some initials at the end of your name. One of the the other things that's changing a lot with patient care, with patient autonomy, the fact that patients want to have a larger role in their care and feel like they are part of the the, the healthcare team, really, is a big movement towards physicians introducing themselves as, uh, I would introduce myself as Ryan Gray instead of Dr. Gray. As soon as you walk in the room, and introduce yourself as doctor, you're already putting up a wall between you and the patient that says, I, I am higher than you, I am better than you. And, and it, it, you're, you're not doing it on purpose, but it's just there. Psychologically, it's there. And the patient, the patient doesn't connect with you as well uh, as they should be if they want to be part of that healthcare team and, and be involved in their care. And so I've taken that to heart, and, and I introduce myself just as my normal name now. I don't, I, I don't introduce myself as Dr. Gray unless I'm in a professional setting, and I have to. And Ryan and I do disagree on this a little bit. And the way I look at it, again, it's not that I'm trying to be better than someone or, or, or let someone know that I have, I'm an authority over them. I just really believe in the tradition of medicine and the the fact that when a patient goes to see a physician, they're putting their trust, they're putting uh, their belief in that physician, that that physician is going to help take care of them and make them better, hopefully. And so I look at it as as just filling that role in a way that, that lets the patient know, yes, I'm your doctor, I'm here for you, uh, and I'm in this with you. 
So I, I think though, like in anything, there's balance there and it drives me nuts when you go in uh, to like a wedding <laughs> and people are going around and they're introducing themselves, oh, I'm Dr. So-and-so, or you're at a, a, a very a non-medical, non-professional event, totally social in nature, and people are going around insisting that they be called doctor. Uh, I think it's it's unnecessary. For In that situation, there's there's no reason to, to put yourself in that role to to designate yourself as, oh, I'm a doctor. Uh, personally, that's my feeling about it. But I do think, I, I do introduce myself as Dr. Gray, um, not because I want anyone to feel uncomfortable, but I just look at it as, as filling my role. Yeah, we're allowed to disagree. Of course. And you all can think about what you what your feelings are about it and tell us what you think. Yeah, tell us what you think. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash 45 and, and let us know what you think. Should it, When you graduate and are a physician, are, are you going to introduce yourself as doctor? Let us know. Next one. Next reason not to become a physician, something we've dubbed the house effect. <laughs> or the Grey's Anatomy effect for those who didn't watch House. <laughs> yeah. Or the ER effect or the... Yeah, it depends how old you are. <laughs> yeah. what The MASH effect, maybe? You're really oh, old. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so television, obviously, is very popular. And, there are, and medicine is very popular. So there are a ton of medical dramas out there. And... If you watch those shows and you go, wow, Gregory House is awesome. That's his first name, right, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, Gregory yeah. House is awesome. Meredith Gray is awesome. Oh, but, I'm very impressed at your, your memory right now. Yeah. I didn't, I, and I didn't do any research for this show either. <laughs> if, if you think that, that looks great, I think I want to be a doctor because their jobs look great. They, they look fun and they, they always look so happy and... Or they're having lots of awesome sex in the hospital behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah. That is not life as a physician. I'm sorry to break it to you, but that is not life as a physician. If you think, and we'll talk about House for a minute. Ugh. If if you think that House's team of doctors there, each one of them is a surgeon, an internal medicine physician, a infectious disease physician, a radiologist, a radiology tech. And a neurosurgeon. A neurosurgeon. Uh, what else? It, everything. A specialist at breaking and entering. Yeah. A lot of that. They, they break it. Yeah. <laughs> that so, was the best part of the show. <laughs> it's it, it's just not realistic. No. Life as a physician, especially going through the process of medical school and residency, is hell. And and Allison can talk about it. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about it during another podcast about... Allison's life during residency and <clears throat> it was hell and it's hell for a lot of uh, residents. It's all worth it, but it was very grueling. It is worth it. <laughs> I I can't stand house. Ryan and I used to watch uh, house. I think in our first year of medical school, we all used to gather around in a common area and, and watch uh, Grey's Anatomy. And uh, we did watch house, I think for the first two years. Around the end of the second year, and especially then in the the third year of medical school, I couldn't stand that show anymore. I would we would sit and try to watch it, and I would just yell at the TV the whole time. And Ryan couldn't stand it after a while, and we finally just stopped watching it. 
I had so many pet peeves with that show. The one that Ryan mentioned about them all being every kind of a doctor. The second pet peeve, his specialty is diagnostic medicine. That is just so offensive. We are all diagnosticians. Some of us are surgeons, not me. We are all in the practice of diagnosing disease. So the fact that he's his specialty is diagnostic medicine just made me nuts. Uh, but the, Surgeons diagnose too, by the way. They do. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. I'm just not a surgeon, so I don't think that way. Uh, the fact that uh, the the show was just so ridiculous and and they had such far reaching uh, diseases and it was all just so unrealistic it just made me nuts and they would make all sorts of mistakes uh, and medical shows do that all the time one thing I always notice is they have someone who's apparently comatose in a coma they can't move they can't talk and yet they don't have a breathing tube there the the shows out there paint such a a different picture, an unrealistic picture of what life is like as a physician. And I think as a non-lawyer, when I watch Law & Order, I think, oh, well, that's pretty cool. And my friends who are lawyers think, oh, my God, it's so ridiculous. So it is it, it is a little unfair. If, if you're not in the practice of a certain uh, profession, you can't really know what it's like. But we're here to tell you, don't go into medicine. Definitely don't say it at one of your interviews that, that oh, I, it's it looks so cool on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Again, these are common sense things, but but you'd be surprised. I'm all for watching a show and going, mm, that looks interesting. Wonder if I would like it. And then go out and test and see if you like it for yourself in a shadowing role or Absolutely. volunteering. Or- yeah, you have to see if it's really like that in real life and if you really like it uh, as, as yourself in, in the real world. Yeah. And that kind of goes along with our next point. The fact that your parents are pushing you into medicine or everybody in your family is a physician and therefore you feel like you have to be a physician, that's another terrible reason to go into medical school and, and, and become a physician. Again, if your parents are physicians and you want to see what it's like and they're, they're kind of pushing you in that direction, go out and shadow a physician. I wouldn't go out and shadow your parents or, or a family member. I, I would go and get away from the family. But go and see what it's like to... to practice and see what it's like to volunteer and and give and sacrifice for others and see if that's what you want to do with your life not because your parents said so definitely you just in that first one we mentioned you can't get paid enough to be miserable and you can't get paid enough to be in a job that you don't like there's so much in medicine of 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 self-sacrifice you have to have that passion that desire to do this to to be called to this profession. And if you don't really want to do it or you're doing it for someone else, you shouldn't be doing it. It's going to catch up with you at some point too, if you are. And I don't mean that to be mean, but it's true because there's so much demand on you as a medical student, the the amount of hours, the amount of blood, sweat, tears that you will shed uh, in medical school, in your in the classroom, and then on the wards, and then, oh my God, in residency, you have to love this. And so just because your parents wanted you to, or telling you you have to be a doctor, lawyer, whatever it is, you got to do, it's your life to live. So if it's not what you really want to do, you have to tell them that before it's too late and before they've spent $200,000 on your education or you've taken out a loan. Yeah. Good point. So, and that kind of, again, ties into the last point here. If you think going into medicine, you're going to have a nine-to-five job, you're going to have all your weekends free forever, you're going to go golfing whenever you want, and whatever, 
then you're mistaken. Yes, there are some specialties out there that you never have to take call, you never have to work a weekend, and you you can work nine to five if you want. But the majority of medicine, you're working a lot, you're on call, your weekends are taken away from you sometimes, you're called in at the middle of the night sometimes, you're bringing home work because you're seeing way too many patients to make ends meet and there's too much paperwork that needs to be done and and documentation that has to be done and you can't get it all done at work so you bring it home it's stressful there's it carries over a lot in life and it's with this the the new generation of physicians that are coming out we want more and more of that work-life balance and eventually maybe medicine will get there. We'll figure out a way to have that work-life balance and I think we are moving in that direction with some of the work hour regulations during residency and some of the other things but medicine kind of takes over your life. It does. I think you start, when when someone asks you about yourself, it's one of the first things that comes to your mind. It's It becomes who you are, not just what you do but who you are. And I think in in residencies, in different fields, after you graduate, your life may get significantly better as an attending. Uh, you may, you have less shifts or, or less call nights for sure. There are other uh, fields of medicine I can think of, like OBGYN is an example, where anybody can have a baby, well, not anybody, but people can have babies at any time. So you could be called in any time. Interventional radiologists, neurosurgeons, trauma surgeons, it really there's it depends on on what field you choose because there are some where you're going to be at the beck and call of your pager and yes we still use pagers maybe someday we won't uh, for the rest of your life as a physician in that role so it's uh, maybe some physicians out there have a big beautiful yacht and spend their days golfing and traveling Europe I don't know too many of those that's, to that's be the exception. Yes, that is definitely the exception. And again, it just goes back in the end. You got to love what you do because it all is so worth it. And it's so rewarding. It's such a rewarding thing to do with your life. Uh, but it takes a lot. It takes a lot from you and, and from your family. And and, uh, and yeah. All right. So that's five reasons to not go into medicine. And I, I think no matter what we say, it all comes back to you have to love what you do day in and day out. And mm-hmm. it's it's hard to know that going into it, but that's what shadowing is for and that's what volunteering is for. And that's why, honestly, that's why it's required for an application. It, I, don't, I don't know if it strictly says it's required, but if you don't have volunteer time, if you don't have shadowing time, if the, if the uh, admissions committees don't see that you are willing to sacrifice your time for others and they don't see that you know what it's like to be a physician if you haven't been in a, an operating room or if you haven't been in a, a, a patient room as a shadow of a physician to see behind the scenes what goes on, they, they're not going to take your application serious because you have to know what you're getting into to make sure that on the other side you're going to be happy. Absolutely. So that's it for this week. That was five reasons to go into medicine, five reasons to not go into medicine. You have any final parting words, Allison? Well, maybe just uh, 
<laughs> I'll do a five B or a five B for this one. Since we've just been watching the Big Bang Theory, it makes me think of Sheldon. And uh, some of you out there may think, oh, well, I'm the best student in my class and I make all A's and I have, uh, you know, the best SATs and test scores of anybody in, in my county. I, I also wouldn't use that necessarily as, as a reason to become a doctor because, yes, we want to have intelligent doctors, but we don't want people uh, – you, you could go out there and become a Nobel Prize winner if you're the smartest kid around. It doesn't necessarily mean you want to become a doctor because, remember, folks, part of being a good doctor is bedside manner. And I think someday we'll do a podcast all about what bedside manner is and how important it is. But uh, Sheldon would probably not be such a good doctor if you think no, about it. <laughs> anyway, I, I think my parting words are uh, do some soul-searching. If no matter what stage you're at in the process, whether you're uh, in high school, like uh, our friend who wrote that great review for us, or if you're uh, in college and you're on the pre-med track or you're a career changer, no matter where you are in the process, do some soul searching and see if any of these points that we hit on hit home for you about, well, gee, yeah, that is why I want to go into medicine. Or, or maybe there is one on the list that that is on the do not go into list. And and uh, just think about it because these things uh, will really help you define why. And, and when you're at your interviews for medical school, people will really be able to, they'll, they'll be excited by someone who who is so clear, so, so crystal clear about why they want to go into medicine. So I hope that this information was helpful to all of you. We sure had a, a good time talking about it, as we always do. Yeah. All right, folks, that is it for this week. Hopefully you learned a lot of useful information that you can kind of soak in and and maybe re-listen and really do some soul searching, like Allison said, and figure out if this is really right for you. So hopefully join us next time here at the medical school headquarters.